You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's start with a cheers. Yeah. Thanks for coming, cheers. Leo. Absolutely. Thanks for ah, having me. What are we all drinking? Um, so we're drinking mimosas and Bloody Marys because I, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It wouldn't be a, a proper weekend without me having a Bloody Mary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we stuck with mimosas because we're, we're weak. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn this over time. You'll sure. start to have it over time. Sure. Yeah, that's good. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast. We're so excited and happy to have you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I think this is awesome. I love podcasts. And I just, I mean, I've known you for a few years now, yeah, and yeah. just I'm very excited to sit down and pick your brain on several things. So you ask me anything. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's jump right in then. Deal. So we were kind of talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Yeah. But we're really interested to know what you consider yourself in the industry. Yeah. You know, I'm. I've always, I think forever and always, I mean, now I've been doing this professionally a long time, known that there have been multiple areas of the arts that I'm interested and active in. So certainly when I first got to New York, it was all about my stage work as an actor, which I still love. Um, I got to just complete School of Rock on Broadway a couple months ago, which was awesome. Um, But I also am a voiceover artist, and I also am an owner and director of MTCA, which is Musical Theater College Auditions, which helps get high school kids into 
uh, musical theater and acting audition based programs. So I kind of I feel like I walk the um, the path of of many interests within the arts and um, all of all of those hats that I wear, they help each other. So I don't feel I never feel like I'm one without the other two. I always try to find, you know, the balance, which is really hard. And how they all help each other. And they all help each other. Yeah. So like I don't sit back when I'm working with students and go, well, when I was performing, you know, I I, I know the same fragility and fear and competitiveness they're facing just on a different level as a professional. But, you know, that stuff doesn't go away. So I think they get a sense that, you know, I talk the talk and walk the walk. So how did you get... I guess introduced to MTCA like what was your how did that begin yeah um that started it's been like 12 years ago wow yeah it's been a big part of my life now for a while um one of my best friends Telly Leung was a part of uh the team kind of helping out as a song coach and was um auditing mock audition days and Ellen Lettrick who's the founder of MTCA asked me to be a part of one of those mock audition days as a as a guest coach as a guest you know auditing the the day to give notes and I fell in love. I never looked back. I mean, after that day, I was so fueled by these teenagers. And they're so, you know, there's something special about a 16, 17 year old. They're really um, hungry because everything's ahead of them. They're, they're not jaded in any kind of way like the professionals can get, but they were amazing. And I sensed that and really wanted to help them. I loved how positive and, and um, energetic they were, passionate about their future. And because I was grateful to, get to you know be in a in an excellent college Carnegie Mellon I was a musical theater major there it really was it's it's it set the foundation to where I am today as an artist that I'm very passionate about training so to know that I could you know pass that along and kind of you know lead students to pursuing their dreams was very exciting that's awesome yeah so you said you went to Carnegie Mellon yeah so after high school you knew that you wanted to be an actor right yeah. away oh yeah so you went right in musical yeah. theater, right? Yeah, right into it. Yep. I knew that this was my path. I mean, we would sit around the, the um, high school cafeteria. And I remember one day everybody said, like, I'm going to major in communications. Everyone would go, oh, my God, that's amazing for you. I'm going to major in business. And people would applaud. Oh God, they got to so much money. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they got to me and they didn't even let me answer. They went, we know, we know, Leo, you're going to do musical theater. We know, we know. And I was like, well, is it that obvious? You know, and they said, yeah. And you yeah. did it successfully. <laughs> yeah, I did. I have. I'm. I've always um I've always been active in the arts. I haven't had to, you know, do the side job, day job. I, I've been very thankful for it. Yeah, so after you finished college, what was your next step? Uh the first gig, surprisingly, was an international job. I came right to New York. I didn't waste any time. I didn't even do summer stock that year. I said, No, I have to drive to New York. It was six and a half hours away. Even when I didn't have my own apartment, I was sleeping on a mattress uh in a in a sublet. And um I booked forty second street in Moscow. Russia. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? And I did that for about four or five months. I was understudying Billy Lawler, took over the lead. And then, yeah, that was my first gig. So I was tap dancing in Moscow. And do you think that your training so prepared you say. for that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know what was funny? A lot of people were against, not not a lot, but some people questioned the decision that right out of graduating and showcase and I, I got an agent thankfully why would you leave Leo like you can't leave you you need to stay and make your connections well and I thought well but what about the connections I make when I'm doing the gig like yeah I get that it's in Russia and I'm probably not coming back to work in Russia <laughs> but to me it was a no-brainer and I was young I was 22 I think 23 so you know I would I would appreciate it more now than I did then but when you're young 
that's the time to do it, you know? So, but yeah, I mean that, but Carnegie Mellon definitely gave me the confidence to go into it. I'll tell you another thing I learned as a professional on that gig was that when I first booked the gig, it was kind of a low ball offer financially. And I didn't want to do it for what they offered. And I talked it over with my father and my agent. And I basically, I asked for a lot more money for what I felt was worth it for me. And they said, yes. So I learned at a very young age, don't be afraid to ask for what you feel you're worth for a gig. And I was ready. I remember my agent said at the time, are you prepared to hear no? And that means we walk away from the gig. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. And that didn't happen. So I also learned at a young age, my, my, um, my professional voice in, in having a voice and, and being able to ask for what I want. Yeah, so you had the guidance from your from your father and your agent. Do you think that that's other performers going through that same thing that you went through of negotiating? Is that yeah? Like if they don't have that, like how do they learn that? It's really hard. You mean to how to negotiate on yeah, your own? Because I feel like I, I don't. I mean, well, you I, know I what you can do. BFA program. Yeah. I, I'm not a performer, so yeah. I don't know if that's like taught. Oh, to- totally not. <laughs> no, at least to me. Th- this is a little bit of an issue that I have. I mean, it's hard because, of course, schools have all of the educational classes they're trying to teach you. And senior year, it's the last thing. But these business of the business classes, sometimes they're missing the components of something as basic as if you don't have an agent, how do you negotiate? I mean, that is something that's a skill set. You know, negotiations yeah. are all about, you know, this, the specificity in, in what you ask, how you ask it. Someone could pounce on vulnerability or indecision in your voice. Would it be okay if I, like, those are bad words. Like, yeah. you got to be able to ask straightforward and not be afraid to ask for what you need. Um, obviously, the the answer, the power of no is is the best hand you have because you can walk. You just have to be ready for them to say, okay, bye, I'll go get someone else. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if you don't have an agent helping you, just start basic. Just just write down the three things that are most important and then probably, I mean, I never had to do it on my own, but don't um, over-embellish, don't get emotional. It's not personal, it's business. So it's not about, they don't need to hear about things that aren't of their concern. Yeah, I also heard that from like my standpoint when I was going through an interviewing for jobs out of college. Yeah. <clears throat> to never accept the first offer. Uh-huh. And I'm yeah. wondering if that's, do you find that that's a similar? There are times role? where, yes, there are times where I get an offer and I'm so surprised by it that like, I don't think there's anything to ask for, but that is far and few between. I mean, you, and I think a lot of times they know that there's going to be a negotiation. There's, you have an agency, they're used to this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because I feel like a lot of people that, especially people that just finish undergrad and they go right out into the business yeah they just want to work yeah and so i think that that in itself if they just take those offers right off the bat yeah. it's devaluing the whole this is true of the whole you, community of you, actors. You, you i don't agree with the advice of you're automatically young so you take whatever comes take your what you way get. i will say though that the flip side is when you're really young you don't quite have the leverage yet to be saying no to a lot of jobs i mean Yes, if they don't meet certain criteria or if there's responsibilities you have on the show that you don't want to do, you know, or it's taking you far away and you're not receiving A, B, C, D, by all means. But there is something to say for when you're young, you've got to hustle. You've got to be going after a lot of those jobs. But if it's not a job that presents enough gains, why are, why are you there? Yeah, you have to honor that you do have, you know, something to say. It's, it's about finding the, the right place to, to get to yeah, do it. because I think that's like a responsibility yeah as a singular actor to the whole community right because I mean we just heard with all the equity lab yeah uh, oh yeah all that kind of stuff you know if people took those jobs then it would be setting the bar 
that they can be treated that way or paid that that's sort of right. wage. Yep, that's right. And especially once you get into being in the union, I was fortunate to get my equity card after my freshman year of college. So I did go into my professional career having it. But if I didn't have it, I would have been prepared to understand why do you value a union? What is it that a union does for you? This is another place where in schools, it's not always... It's, I think teenagers don't want to listen to it really and absorb it until it pertains to them mm-hmm. and they're faced with the job to then. But it's important because you got to know. I mean, there's, a, there's so much protection, but there's also so much um, power in, in you know, staying together and sticking as one too. Yeah. So you've done a variety of work, I would say, which is, yeah. is mind-blowing to me. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, just like how do you have the hours in the day to complete these things? <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard. I mean, like it is um, it is always a negotiation with yourself. It's a shuffle. Mm-hmm. You're shuffling all of these different areas of your life. And I don't know if it's also the Libra in me that's like the balancing scale. I'm such a balancing scale <laughs> that if one of them or two of the three are getting a lot more attention, the other thing in me goes, well, what about over there? Like... You haven't done that in a while. You got to go do that. So that's how I know I'm still hungry to try to be doing all three. Because if, if I'm ignoring one of the three, uh, I get upset with myself. And the older you get, I'm older than both of you, I know. But the <laughs> older you get, you also start to realize the other things in life. And that's a, been a beautiful thing, but also surprising to me, like how much time I'm putting into travel now. I've gotten on like two huge international trips within like under a year. And I, and I value like my family and trying to date more like things that in my 20s absolutely not like no go I was in a full relationship with show business there was no there was no time booking flights to vacation there was no like I would date maybe on the side or have a boyfriend maybe but like no basically it was show business Leo you're an actor You, you have to put everything into it so yeah I mean so like yes now I do try to always find the balance but I, I, if I had a nickel for every time I said if there were only more hours in the day, like I, I do say that a lot. <laughs> well, what would you say is the most fulfilling to you as an artist? It, mm, gosh. Could you pick something or the most? Or if you're looking at you know the voiceovers, yeah. the 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 Broadway credits, the regional yeah. theater credits, you know, yeah. the coaching, all yeah. of it, yeah, and more, <laughs> yeah. What would like what about all of that or could you pick one that's been the you know, most fulfilling for you as an artist? Probably, you know, one one of the most fulfilling on the performing side that I talk about was not any it wasn't even a full show. It was a gypsy of the year opening number when we paid tribute to the original cast of West Side Story. Playing Riff in West Side was a big part of my career in my twenties. I, I played it about five times in four in five <laughs> yeah, it's crazy in many different companies. And I we got to do it as the opening number. That was with the originals. That that left an impression on me that like it doesn't matter what kind of lead role you have in a show. That was just an amazing and people that I've just you know, Cheetah Rivera, Mickey Collin, Ken Leroy, you know, it just was, it was amazing. Um, but I can't, I don't know, I don't know if I have the fave. That's hard. But they all, they all like intercept. You know, I mean, when a student of mine calls me and says, Leo, Leo, I got in. I got in. I'm, you, it feels like you got in. Yeah, I do. And, <laughs> and I remember when I got my call for Car- from Carnegie Mellon from my, the voice teacher saying, Leo, we just want to let you know you've been accepted. I mean, you don't ever forget those words. So that's a beautiful thing. The voiceovers, kind of like today, in the sense that I have the two of you sitting across from me. The interesting thing about voiceovers, it's personal. So you don't share a voiceover with friends and family the way that 
you know, you do a stage performance with with a live audience or coaching, of course, is extremely personal because it's it's like one on one consulting, you know. But um, the the voiceover stuff, it's almost like you're with yourself, you know, in a booth and a microphone. So it's a different kind of high. It's it's very weird. It's very weird. Well, how did you get started in voiceovers? All right, now that's a good question. <laughs> you know what? I, people used to all well. First of all, I'll go back to school. My teachers used to really get upset about this voice that I have because they'd say, "Leo, are you smoking? Leo, do you have nodules? Leo, there's something wrong with your voice. It's so raspy. It's so low." And I'd say, "I I don't smoke. I don't have anything. I'm singing. What do you mean? Why Why would you say I have nodules? Like, and I I would fight it, and they would fight me. <laughs> I got tested. I didn't have any kind of vocal hemorrhage or problems. Long story short, when I got to New York, I tried to get into the voiceover world and I wasn't successful. People used to say your voice is perfect for it. Then all of a sudden, one day I was doing a coaching on an accent, a German accent that I had to do for a, a new play that I was in, a reading. And I contacted my friend, Sue Serretta, who is a um, who was a senior at Carnegie Mellon when I was a freshman and she does a lot of coaching. At the end of the coaching for this play, she said, Leo, are you doing voiceovers? And I said, oh God, I've said, please, I'm trying. It's, I, I can't break into it. And she said, well, I'll introduce you to my agent. And I thought, all right, well, this is just like one of those friends helping a friend thing. Nothing, nothing's gonna you know, materialize. And I met with them. They said, you, you sound great. We'll send you out right away. Even then I still thought, nah, they're just doing that because they know Sue, you know? And then they did and I, and I booked one of my first auditions. So I definitely had luck in my favor or I guess some people don't believe in the luck thing but it I definitely the the stars aligned at the right time <laughs> that I was able to get that job early on and then of course I'm so thankful to innovative my my voiceover and commercial agents and they've they've just they've taken me down in a, such an exciting path I just did one for for um uh Goldman Sachs the other day which was really fun are there ways that you prepare for a voiceover that would maybe differ from yes. a, a live performance? Oh, yeah. I mean, you mean you're like using a, your voice, but yes, it's a different... Yes, very different. Yeah. You, you're aware of every single sound. So like um, if I was saying like, how are you? I could just say, how are you? Like I did. Or if I put a little bit more color and texture, how are you? And I, and I, I use fry. It's called like a fry tone yeah, in your voice. <laughs> My first voiceover was Sharp TV. And at the end, when I kept saying only from Sharp, they always wanted only from sharp, sharp, sharp. Wow. They wanted like a, a, a fry. They wanted yeah. just a fry with my voice because it feels... Well, hopefully this sounds really good on these microphones. <laughs> I do too. Because... I'm sure it does. But, but like they, they wanted that because they thought it sounded like, like natural conversational man as opposed to like only from sharp, like a, 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 a supported sound. So it's lit what I do in voiceovers is the opposite of what I usually book for stage. Like a lot, a lot of times for stage, I support. book like support. <laughs> yeah, support. I support myself. But like, it's funny. I have like a lot of um, characters I've played either really edgy people, energetic, a animated, passionate, like you know, upbeat, all of that stuff, which is very much me. I don't usually do roles that are like, hey man, what's up? Like the laid back, chill, like stoner guy like I don't usually yeah. play those but in voiceovers that's mainly what I go in for is like wow. chill laid back raspy cool like. that's gotta be so freeing for you <laughs> so as an artist and as a performer <laughs> yes. because like you said you don't get typecast as those types of roles no you're right so that's that's really interesting. It is interesting, and I didn't even realize it for a couple of years. And I you're was you're taking like, oh. the image completely out. Yeah, and, it, and it's like that's what it's like. What do people see, or what do people hear? Yeah, what do they hear? Right. Yep. And I and I wonder that sometimes, like when I walk in for the booking, are the producers who only have heard my voice? Are you, 
you know, do you go, oh, that's what he looks like? Yeah. You know, that's happened yeah. where they look at me, they go, oh, hi, Leo. Like maybe they pictured I'm older or maybe they, they're not, they're not aware like, whoa, he's got like big, messy blonde hair. Like, I don't think, I don't know what they think, but they, but there, that happens. Cause like, you're wow. right. The voiceovers, it's just what you sound like. But I do prepare. I didn't really answer your question. Did I, <laughs> I do prepare differently in the sense of, I really pop out operative words. You know, what is the, what, what am I selling? Some stuff is the same as performing. Who am I talking to? You know, so that your audience, so if I'm talking to like two people conducting a podcast interview, that's different than the way I talk to like my best friend or my mom. So that's how you get different reads. If you change the person you're talking to, mm. it'll change your tonality. Well, how do you balance all of this on top of your coaching? Yeah. Well, because, right? you know, when you're in a, a show, especially yeah. you have a show schedule. Yeah. And then do you fill your day with coaching sessions <laughs> and voiceover sessions yes. and auditions? Yes. I know the time frames of these things. So l fortunately with MTCA, I'm at such a place now as a director of the team and owner of the team that I can shape the day also to what helps me. So a lot of initial consultations that I do when I'm meeting new students and families will happen in the early evening, the five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock range. So it doesn't conflict with auditions that I have in the morning and the afternoon. Or a lot of times I do MTCA work on the weekends. Like I just had work, you know, uh, before I came up here today cause it's a weekend, mm -hmm. you know, and Sunday too. So, um, yeah, it's just about the balance and you know, you know, auditions are going to generally happen 10 to six. I'm a morning person. So sometimes I do work on my own with emails like eight to nine, nine to 10. Um, but it's really hard. I mean, there's always the shuffle of, of like, you know, what this, the MTCA now is busy all the time. We work with so many juniors right after we turn over our seniors. So it's kind of a yearly long um, commitment for sure. Well, how do you consult with a student that's looking into going to a university? How do you yeah. figure out what's best for them? Uh -huh. And does your experience going to Carnegie Mellon shape how you treat the students and their needs. Yes, for sure. I mean, my biggest goal is that they're not following some kind of code or structure of, of, of where they're supposed to go or because a school has a large name, therefore they should apply an audition. My, my goal is to learn as much about them as an individual and their wants and what they're dreaming that then I can help supply and build a school list to support their dreams. And also to speak to the reality of how competitive it is when I was doing this in, in 1998, it was um, six, seven schools that everyone auditioned for, if that. Now, if you audition for six schools, it's like playing with serious fire, <laughs> especially if some of those schools are schools like Carnegie Mellon that accept such a small percentage of their applicants. So it's the reality talk, but it's also exciting to share with them my path because I'm one of those people that got into one of those huge schools. So when I was at the, my audition and I heard them say, you know, less than 2% of our applicants get accepted here, I turned to my mom and I said, mom, this is ridiculous. Why are we here? I'm not going to get in. And she kind of looked at me and took a breath and said, well, Leo, someone's going to get in. Why can't it be you? And in that moment, I wanted to go, all right, mom, that's annoying. Be quiet. Like, that's what I wanted <laughs> no, to say. That, I mean, that's, but, yeah, she, that's serious advice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, and, and so I tell the kids that all the time. I say, listen, guys, it happened to me. I didn't have more training than you. I wasn't different than you. I, I wanted it just like you did. So I never take away the dream of, of those big schools. But now in 2019, it's also about the protection of your list. You, you, can't, you can't walk into not realizing the, the game, what, what the structure is. So still talking with MTCA and the coaching because that's kind of how I got into like the professional yeah. world was was the college auditioning and, and the coaching of students. And we 
you know, we met on Broadway Student Summit, which is how I know Brian. Right. <laughs> um, which is how I know Leah. <laughs> <laughs> nice triangle. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I Theater education has always been a huge part of, of my adult life. Right. Because my, I love my, my theater program in high school was very motivate motivational for me i think and i didn't realize it yeah so do you pull from high, your high school experience even or like how do you i guess it's funny because high school for me i i i, I grew up um in an area it was about 40 minutes north of pittsburgh that had a really good professional theater company pittsburgh musical theater where i got to have my start in professional theater so i didn't always do the high school play or musical I had exposure but those those are formative years I mean certainly I do remember them you know fondly I mean I remember thinking I got to get out of here it's time to be a theater major you know but um yeah I mean I'm such a I'm a believer in you know high school college those years are such formative years regardless of where you're going and what you're majoring in there's it's development it it you, you're not you're not who you are yet I mean, are we ever? But you know, <laughs> I'm still that's trying to figure that that's out. That's <laughs> another podcast. No, but but who are we? But you know what I mean. Like in high school and college, everything is so in the future that then when you have that supported foundation of a school that you're passionate about, high school and then college. So like when people have like bad high school years, that breaks my heart because you don't get those years back, you know. And then that changes the forecast for your next four or eight. Have you ever worked with a student that thinks that they want to go to college and? Maybe you have different yes. views well, on I, their decisions. Yes. Sometimes people are a little delusional about, you know, where they are with their skill set. Mm-hmm. So it is a hard conversation to have when, when I have to say, listen, you're you you're at a at a um more green place. It's not to say that you can't grow and become more competitive, but that's what we're going to school for. Yeah, that's right? what you're exactly. Yeah. Why would you be going to school if you had all the answers? Right. That's exactly right. But it is hard when I have to kind of reshape a list and say, I think you need more newer programs on your list too. Not only these big guns that have been around, you know, since the dawn of time, but but have have some reality. Still you can still audition for some of these dream schools. Hey, you never know what can happen. I mean that is the interesting part of the arts that I love is that there's no black and white formula. There's no code. There's no guarantees. It's so much is subjective. So much is arbitrary. So I don't work at those schools. That's not fair for me to say, well you're not good enough to get to the I can talk about a skill set you know, grade or realization or assessment, that's the best word to use, an assessment of where someone is. But like students have really shown me over the years that when I say, if you work your butt off, like what are you going to do every single day? And they do. And then some don't. So then the ones that don't have to hear that talk again, you know, in two months, three months. But what is changing that I see earlier on is these students earlier on in high school and even in middle school understand how competitive this is. So they are fueled. Mm-hmm. in a way to just, you know, keep doing the work. Do you think that college is, is right for everyone? Hmm. For on, on the performing aspect, at least. Because there um, are, I've heard people say, it might not be right for you. Right. Because they know that individual. Yeah. But here are all these classes. I mean, there are tons of places in New York alone that, that offer training programs. They and, do. You know, you can do the coaching, the, the private lessons. I think you have to recognize that it is not the same thing. It's not a replacement for college. I mean, there is something very beautiful and secure and safe in a four-year program because of what naturally happens with development over four years that you cannot squeeze into two or if you're just taking individual professional classes in New York City which I do not judge I've taken them that's very different in the sense that it, it can't replace what you would get in a four-year program 
the biggest thing is, is it's not about the teachers or the classes, it's your classmates. That's what I'm, I'm really passionate about, that especially in an intimate class size, you're learning as much from each other as your peers as you are from your teacher. So I don't think school's for everyone. Certainly, financially speaking, it isn't for, every, for everyone, and it gets more and more expensive, which is terrible, but it is what it is. It's, you know, school's a business. I always tell my families that, that I work with. I work with just as much many parents as the students. Um, the students I'm working to, you know, get into college, the parents are, are paying for it, you know. So I often it's say that. It's part of your business. It's part of my business, right. So, you know, it, is, it isn't for everybody, and there are people that I always use the analogy like, yes, could you take a bus to New York, get off, go to a Broadway show, and get in? Yeah, we know those people. I, I have friends like that. But then to sustain a career, I do think it's that much more difficult. It's not that you can't do it, but to not have the foundation of training and not have answers of what to turn to when you book the job. You know, a lot of people book, you know, booking work is one thing, sustaining it eight shows a week and having the discipline and the foundation and the training. That is quite the another conversation of how many people have that. And I've had a lot of friends struggle with how to sustain playing a role eight shows a week, for sure. I mean, we all have our, our hiccups along the way, but when you have training, you know what to do on the bad day. You know what to do when you get an audition and the sides aren't written very well. Mm. You know what to do if you have technique. It isn't, that's the part of acting that isn't a made-up like thing. It's like the analysis textbook part of it Yeah, that you can go in. Yeah, there is, there is a breakdown in the, in the right series of questions, and text work is a real thing. So there are, you know, when people are like, oh, this actor schmactor stuff where they're all, you know, dancing and moving all around. I mean, to some degree, yes, all of these conservatories and liberal arts schools, they will have classes that you're like, really? Like, am I really taking that? But then there are times where you learn, oh, wow. And you don't even realize it when it's happening. It's after years. like When you of, need to employ it. Yeah. What, my, one of my least favorite classes was voice and speech. That is hands down the most important class I ever took. Because now as an actor, for all those reasons I talked about, and then some... There's so much stuff that I technically learned, but then at 19 or 18, 16, you don't, you don't know yet. You're not, you're not a professional yet. You know, so that's where, are you getting all of that when you do these individual classes? It, yes, no. And if you are taking that class, are you taking that class for four years straight every single day or two days a week? That's, that's the hard part. That's why I'm so passionate about when you can find a program to support you. My big thing is, is that now what's exciting is there are so many excellent programs with so many excellent teachers that it doesn't need to be those six, seven only that you go for. It's just not true anymore. Yeah. Do you have a particular routine when you prepare for a show that you're working on? Yes. When you I book the role? Yep. I, for me, the best warm up first is physical. That really just gets my, my blood flowing. So certainly when I've done the more physical dance shows, when I've done riff in west side billy lawler in 42nd street i played will parker in, you know um oklahoma and even like when i was doing shuffle along i i was um the standby for brooks ashmanskis in that show and then i took over the role the last two weeks that was really hard because i hadn't been playing the role so i had to kind of every now and then create a warm-up that then when i was playing it i i could sustain what that high pace thing was so you have to always look ahead and know what am I going to be doing when I'm actually playing the role and then what is going to help prepare me for it literally from a, a, a stretching standpoint but then to mentally get behind roles too. So there's like three kinds of warm-up. There's the physical warm-up, there's the literal vocal warm-up which of course you got to do and then mentally warming up or mentally warming, cooling down. It's really hard too. Like, you know, West Side Story, man, that's rough. I mean, dying and then you come back like for the curtain call, you feel the power of the show. There were times where I was like, this is heavy. I I've gotten good at leaving it at the door, but it's hard. I don't always do that. 
But I also think it's something that, that takes time, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so someone even coming out of, an actor coming out of, like, a college program mm -hmm. and then jumping into that. Yeah, that's like, right. Like, I'm sure you're, so, I guess your first West Side Story experience, yeah. how did you... It was hard. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be really, this is in depth. Like, it isn't just those songs I learned and the dance steps that I'm, like, you know, executing. This is, there's there's layers to it, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... You know, it's, I, there is, I hate saying this, but there is so much to learn from doing. It is mm -hmm. true that you really will learn as you go. But, but again, like if you, if you said, gosh, Leo, like playing riff, that wasn't like a fluke. There were also productions I had auditioned for first that I didn't book riff and I had played action in college, um, at a small summer stock and I had played Arab in, um, uh, in Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh musical theater. So there were times where like I was building up to it as well like my favorite role to date is the MC in Cabaret that's, oh, that's such a great role for you it's my favorite and and I'm sure I'll do it again someday too I would Where want to do it I did it first in Houston at um, uh, Houston uh, Tuts, Tuts Theater Under the Stars and then I did it in Denver at the Arvada Center both very different Houston Tuts was like over 2,000 seats I think or, or close to 1,800 yeah. something no I think it's over two anyway and then Arvada was like 700 so one was a much more extravagant kind of large scale than other was more intimate. Yeah. But um, when I booked that, I used to always say part of what led to me booking that was shows like Riff, shows where I learned about like myself being in my body that then I could up it even more for a bigger role like the MC. You know, everything is linked that we do. So every, even when it's a different show, it's, nothing's really like separated. I always feel that. What do you feel that you learn from your students as a mm. coach? that you could take back to your acting work. Ooh, they're going to love this when they get to hear this answer. They're <laughs> going to hold this hold it over my head. No. What do I learn from them? Their innocence. Their um their their willingness to, you know, not have the answer and to still go go for it with all of their, you know, lust and desire and that's a beautiful thing. Not to say that I've lost it, but I'm older now, you know, I'm in my upper 30s now. I I I see, you know, I've, I've experienced more loss in my life and, and death and breakups and, you know, harder days. I lost a really good friend uh, two years ago. So when you're young, you haven't experienced life as much. So it's easier to have that innocence. So I learned that from them a lot. They remind me of it. And they really do inspire me that I see the work that they do and they get that much better. Well, then we all can. I mean, when you really put in the time. And they do. I mean, some don't, but most do. And <laughs> the, ones that, the ones that do are they succeed with with flying colors. I mean, it's and it's really awesome to see and view. So, coaching to me is yeah. is it's very similar to directing. Would you consider yourself a director in a sense, or have any interest in directing? I. In the future, I know that I have the skill set characteristically in 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 my personality to be good at it because I I care about so many parts of the cohesive whole of theater. I mean I, that's my favorite thing about musical theater is I've done those shows where like five of the six areas are really good, but there's that one thing, and then like that can be the death of a show. You, and you know, notice that, and I notice it, and yeah. I know that good directors are aware of all of the pieces in the puzzle. With that said, no, I don't think about it a lot. I don't see it the way that I'll see things. Like I'll see like the fantasy of, you know, getting to like bow as an original principal in a in a show. Like I got to take over in Shuffle, but I still have that dream to like originate mm. a principal role. Um, you know, 
Or like I've seen the fantasy of winning a Tony. Like I've seen that. I, I see that in my like fantasy brain. But I don't fantasize the director thing. Like could I direct a production of West Side? Yes, I could. Because mm-hmm. I know it inside and out. Yeah. I know what's important to me. I've seen the West Sides that you know I don't the mechanics, like. Yeah. I know the mechanics. Yeah. yeah but that, no, I don't know if I'll evolve into it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because yeah. um, a friend and former teacher of mine, she's a really awesome coach. Mm-hmm. And she coaches a lot of productions and coaches on the side and stuff. Yeah. And when I asked her, I said, do you want to be a director? Or would you... Would you think it's would it tickle you to be a director and she she said no no because i don't think you know having the whole cohesiveness of the script and everything and the whole production she doesn't have that that vision for the picture yeah she could just get the technique and help the actors yeah get their technique and and motivation objectives and all that uh, yeah I also Very like black and white. Yeah, stuff. no, that makes sense. I like too being, you know, as an actor and watching like a music director do their thing or a choreographer do their thing. There's there's something just special when you're you're one of the pieces in that big collective whole. It's awesome. That's what I love about theater. It it is the best part of it is is what you collaboratively do with each other. Like School of Rock, I was sh- I had no idea how you, were you uh, in the original company. No, you go after I joined. Shuffle? I yeah, it was after Shuffle. It was about a year after I I um I joined in May of two thousand and seventeen. Oh, it was right around now, actually. Yeah, I just didn't realize that. The little little reunion of time, but um, it's actually and today I made my Broadway debut in Superstar. Oh, about seven years ago today. Yeah, I just put that in my story. I was like, well, hey, like, congratulations! Thank you. I know it's a good day to do this. Um, but a lot no, of good things are happening on this day. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But um, I was a replacement. I was the I was a vacation swing in the show. So I went in and out of School of Rock a lot. I would do two mm-hmm. weeks, three months, you know, two months, three weeks, all that. Um, but the fulfillment you had bowing in that show, where you could just feel we took this audience on this joy ride, and they would just be going nuts. I mean, I just didn't see that coming when I booked the show. Like, I thought, cool, this is going to be fun. It's another Weber show. Another job of working with kids. I'm working with kids. <laughs> working with you. <laughs> it's so true. I work with so many kids. And they were. And it's funny. I call my teenagers that I coach kids a lot. And I'm like, they're not kids. They're teens, Leo. These were kids. These were kids. I'm um, very talented. Oh, kids. so talented. I saw that show a few times. And I every time I was just blown away. I was like, I'm clearly, I'm... I'm missing something. Yeah, like. at that, I'll tell you a quick story. At the top of the Winter Garden stairs, and there's a lot going up to the dressing room. I had taken one of those breaks, two three months, and I was back for the first time. And I was signing in at the call board, and all of a sudden I hear Troy. Troy was, I shouldn't say I didn't have favorites, but he was one of my favorites. He, I don't think he'll hear this. Maybe he will. Hey, Troy. <laughs> yeah, but he literally went, Leo, you're back, Aww. and he took like three steps down and lunged like a like a like a trust fall, but instead of going backwards he just lunged at me like just assuming I'd catch him and I did and I was like Troy and he's squeezing me so hard and it's not fake like it he's really that happy to see me no professional actors hug you like that I mean it was the it was the most beautiful moment I'll never it's literally one of my doesn't do that (laughs) Audra will go oh prick a leg no no she does her hug her hug she doesn't she actually does hold a hand really strong my my very first show yeah absolutely my first show on in shuffle we always would circle up at the top of the show and Billy Porter said some really nice things about me because he had known me from before and um we, I happened to be in the circle Pittsburgh. next to Audra, Pittsburgh, right? We were, and I happened to be holding Audra's hand. And as he was saying things, she she kept squeezing my hand. You know, yeah, I know. It's like that's Audra McDonald. I know. I have listen. I still. I just saw her in, in Frankie and Johnny. Yeah, so good. But um, 
yeah, you know, I, I contact her after. I was like, you're amazing in the show. And my friend said to me, he's like, you contacted Audra? And I said, yes, I worked with her. What do you mean did I contact her? You know, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Oh, such good moments. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was amazing. So working with kids in School of Rock, yes. would you say that it helps working with kids in MTCA? Because uh, there are there are different levels. They're so different. I mean, they're in. They're so I'm much sure younger. They're in different levels. Well, of their age. Yes, they were anywhere from like career. nine to like 13, 12, 13. But some of them, the 12, 13 year olds knew of my MTCA work. So they're like, oh my gosh, oh. when we apply for college, we're going to come work with you. I was gonna oh, say, are, are they future clients? I, I don't doubt it. Actually, for the first time ever, clients, um, I, I, did, I did Mary Poppins in 2014. I played Bert and um, it was out at Westchester. That's so fun. And, yeah, it was fun. It's a hard show. It was more hard than I was thinking. But anyway, two of the baby, we had the, the kids were double cast. The um the young Janes were both one of them I coached last year and one of them now is this year. So the students that I've even worked with or kids that I worked with are That's then so cool. becoming students I coach. Yeah. Yeah. And well, what imagine my disbelief of the kids that see there I did it again, the teens that I coached into college, went through four years of college, and now they're they're booking work here in New York City. And I maybe mean, you'll be working with them. Soon. I keep saying, who is going to be the first? Have you yet? No. Oh, okay. There was a there was a little song cycle I did once with Carrie George. She was a, a student that she went to Pace MT, um, but that wasn't like a full production. I mean, like production, production. It hasn't happened yet. Wow. Yep. I wonder who's going to be the first. It almost happened in um, SpongeBob. I had had like a final callback prepared for that, and then I book shuffle. So I took myself out of spongebob when i booked shuffle and one of my students was in the final callback with we were dancing together oh my god yeah yeah that was really crazy probably very full circle for you totally full oh he he was helping me well you know what was happening they were asking for like tricks and stuff and they're like who skateboards and who roller skates and i was like not me and and then they were like well even the people who can't like why don't you try it and i was like great exactly i was like this is it i'm breaking my no that is exactly from la and everybody skateboards and longboards and everything and i was like my god and someone was like, well, you should just, just try, like, just try. Oh and, then, oh, oh, and I was working, I work at a library and there were kids on ripsticks. Yeah. You, I don't you know even what know what, no, I have no. So a ripstick is kind of like a skateboard, <sighs> but it kind of has a middle part that I, mm, it's so hard. Look it up, people. Rip stick. <laughs> ripstick. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to so show the visual. So you can your neck. Your feet go like this. I'm making a visual. In a certain shoe? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the board and you're kind of alternating your feet going back oh. and forth and shifting back and forth. And um, someone was like, one of the kids while I was working, he was like, you should try it. Just get on. I'm like, I would break my neck. My neck. <laughs> I yeah. really would. Well, and that's kind of what I was doing. I was like, all right, I'll get on this, but I'm going to look, look like grandpa, like gramps up on this like scooter. But, but, but my student helped me. Yeah. Logan. He was like, all right, this is what you do. And I was like, look at this full circle moment. Right. Yeah. Paying oh, it forward. Oh, yeah. Paying so, it forward big time. We love stage mishaps on this podcast. Uh, do you have oh. any really good stories to tell us? Well, when I was, this is, this pertains to being really young when I, it was a summer program, like a summer camp kind of thing. And we were doing cats, which I don't like cats. I, it took, I could tell just by the way. I don't like it. it. I don't like it. What is going on? A bunch of people. I mean, that's, I do, that's a big part of your I do, career. I love Weber. I just don't get this. I mean, with the, with the unitards and the dressing up and like licking your hands. I don't know. All right. In but the, in the fake fur. Yeah. The fake Fox stuff. Was. And the, you know, this like anything. It's like, which cat goes to heaven? I don't care about any of those cats. No. Okay. Anyway. I do, I do. I've um, never seen it, by the way, so I have no I, idea. What it's just the weird. Story it's weird. Cats is weird. People <laughs> love cats. People love. Okay, oh, yeah. so I was um, McCavity. 
I was a couple cats, but I was doing the the number McCavity, and I was climbing up a platform where I put like one foot. It was the stairs were really narrow, so you couldn't put your whole foot down on each stair. Paw, paw. Thank you, my 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 mom. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Paw, my paw, and it would go up the stairs, right? And I lost my balance. I fell over the back and went down like six feet. And like I like my hands went on the scrim. It was like I was scratching like a cat <laughs> through the scrim. I'm assuming you didn't have cat like reflexes. Yeah, when you fell basically. And they and that's the part of the show where if you know the song, they're singing, "Macavity's not there," and I wasn't. Like <laughs> I was on the floor, and there was like a thud, and then I I kind of like checked my body, like okay, 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 good. You didn't break anything. And I got off stage, and literally they were all there going. Leo, are you okay? And I looked at them and I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I just, I thought I broke a bone, but I just slipped. And then they started laughing. Like, it was like, oh, good, he's okay. Now we can tease him. You know, I was, it was crazy. That was a pretty good one. So on the topic of mishaps, yeah, have you ever had a conversation with any of your students about, about mishaps and how to kind of bounce back or recover or how to push through? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is is not to call more attention to it and and like apologize for it it happened it's a real moment so if it's in an audition that can be like the best part of the audition because it can be like a humanizing moment for you and the creative team but if you're in a um show and it happens i mean you know it's just you gotta like make the best and, and keep going forward you you learn it is that kind of reminder of like are you in the moment i mean good acting we know is like real you're in it so not like this put on thing so I think it can kind of test you in a weird way. You can you can you can kind of gain and learn a lot from it if mm-hmm. if something happens. But like you know, I've never had one of those things where like I knock on wood missed an entrance. I that's never happened to me yet. Not that I can think of. I feel like I would remember if I did that. What would happen? I mean, oh, shows have like gone on. Like the, the old, I was in a show once where it happened. I was doing Peter and the Star Catcher. I got to play Black Stash, which I loved. Oh wow. <laughs> And someone didn't come on, and people we started improvising. We just started all going. Which well, I guess for that, that's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, show which, to do which that is already right. Which is already <laughs> I'm doing a lot of in that trunk scene. But it was pretty crazy. You just kind of like play, you know. You kind of improvise. I mean, talk about real. You know, it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're sure our listeners would love to know for yeah. anyone who's either coming out of college or considering college or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is a piece of advice that you received? at any point in your career, whether it was earlier on or even yep. yesterday, that you could share? With when audience. I was at Carnegie Mellon, Jordan Thaler, who is still a great casting director at The Public, he came and uh, did a master class with all of the senior MTs. And I'll never forget him saying, guys, when you get to New York City and you have a rough day, make sure that you have something outside of theater that you love to do or have your outlet now when you're like a senior in college you're thinking oh no i'm going to you know be on broadway you know you don't really absorb it but i remember when i had like a really shitty oops can i say that on the podcast yeah, yeah. Okay, good, okay good <laughs> shitty shitty when i had like a shitty day and the, a callback didn't happen and my first audition was awful and i felt like you know just like terrible and i remembered thinking what jordan said oh yeah that's what he meant like have that outlet so like one of my loves in my life is my, I have a big green thumb, tons of houseplants, like 30 houseplants in my apartment. Everyone knows, like now I'm starting to, I always call myself Green Leo, hashtag Green Leo. So like, I like the plant man. I have all these nicknames his now. Man. His shirt right now my has shirt, uh, green, green leaves, leaves. There's lots of leaves. I just love nature. It's on brand. It's on brand. It's on I brand. I think I have a single 
Don't look behind you. Oh, don't look. Oh, is it dying? Is it plastic? No plastic. <laughs> no, it's I, not plastic. Everyone listening to this podcast, <laughs> I will never mine. help you. If I come to your apartment and do a coaching or you ask me and I see plastic, I will walk run, out. Run away. I actually... There's no plastic here. <clears throat> oh, but I see Kit Kats. You can have one. All right, I'll well, try to get one later. I'm so bad. I killed a succulent. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know tricky. how? No, this is, this is beyond... No, I, well, I overwatered it because I thought it was dying because oh, it no. was. Do you want to know where I put it? So I used to have my dresser in my closet, yeah. which had no sunlight and yeah. succulents. Yeah. I used to lots of sunlight and little water. Yeah. So I saw that it started to die and I said, oh no, why is it dying? I started giving it so much water right. and it, that it really was, died. It was rotting. It yeah. was rotting. Yeah. That's yeah. the number one thing people do is that, Don't they, do that they pay so much attention to a plant that they think it needs water constantly. You will rot the leaves or the roots. But, um. That's my advice, is find something you love to do that is not related to theater. So then you have that outlet. So you can put your energy positively into something that, you know, gives back. I also received really good advice from Priscilla Lopez, um, who I worked with on a premiere play somewhere. It was out at the Globe, which was amazing. This was in back in 11. And we were all having like an awesome theater conversation about, you know, we were, it was like at the end of the first week of rehearsal and she took us out and we were all having a glass of red wine. It was amazing. Everyone's like huddled around like, what's Priscilla going to say next? You know, it was amazing. And I'll never forget when she said, listen, guys, you can have a good day or week or, or month. I'm paraphrasing this, not verbatim, but, you know, just remember that for as much love as you put into show business, it never gives back everything you put in, mm. meaning the way I took it was that no matter how much I love it and I put into it, it's not going to give back like a person gives back or, you know, it, it's, it's show business, you know, so you can have those amazing weeks or months or years, but it doesn't, you, for all of the blood, sweat and tears that you have to put in, in order to be successful, it doesn't mean that you f feel it back tenfold. I mean, it was kind of a realistic, it wasn't sad when she said it, it just yeah. was kind of it can realistic. It be applied to a lot of different jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that it is a job. I think that's the thing right. is that we start doing this because, oh my God, I love it so much. But like you quickly learn to all those recent graduates or about to be graduates, you'll start to learn fast how much of a, how much, you know, I remember um, Nick Wyman in, in one of our, our president who used to be our president equity had a whole thing called in the newsletter. It's not called um, show craft. It's called show business. And that business part of it can be dark. I mean, dark. Like I've seen ugly, ugly things happen on a, in an array of ways, and you got to know on those dark days what the hell are you gonna do? Wh where, where is your outlet? Even if it's just like that person in your life that you know you can just be completely real with or whatever, but you gotta have you. If if you're putting all of your eggs into the theater bat, mm -mm, it doesn't. It, it it will catch up to you. Is there yeah. something in the business that if you had the power to change that you would really, huh. really change? Oh God. It's like it's that hard thing where it's like the 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 things that you know the bittersweet things or you know the the hard things are what makes you better too. But what would I change? I guess I guess you know communication always seems to be difficult in the arts in the sense that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of blind trust sometimes between you know actors and 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 representation or representation and casting directors. There's a lot of times where if like I haven't been a part of a, a project moving forward, all of a sudden like there's no communication to me. Like things like that drive me nuts because it feels personal. I think for somebody when all ultimately I know what this is and I know that it doesn't always go your way. So sometimes I wish communication lines 
were, were better. You know, like in theater, we can do an audition and, you know, we never hear from people. Like that's just the way it goes. You don't get to, yeah. you know, it's not like a nor another job where you sit down for an interview. If you don't get it, you still hear from them. So some, you have to develop that thick skin to know how am I going to persevere and persist and keep going with that same passion I had before, knowing that I don't have that interaction. That That's different than other businesses and crafts, you know? So I guess that would be my 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 the part of it for me personally it's never been the unemployment because i've always i enjoy not knowing what's next i almost enjoy it in like oh i wonder what's next because i'm confident that the next one will be there so it's not that i know a lot of people would probably say that the inconsistencies yeah. of up, up and down but i think mine is just like within the infrastructure of it all yeah communication yeah and do you think because you have other things like the voiceovers and the coaching that 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 I'm confident. Maybe that through line. No question. Yeah. No question that because I have those other areas, if one of the three isn't as great, you know, two years ago, I had a bigger voiceover year than I did last year. You know, it just was the way it was and the gigs that I booked either ran commercially on TV yeah. or didn't, you know. And, you know, just like this year, I'm starting off this year, School of Rock closed um, at the end of February. You know, now I, I don't have my next Broadway gig yet. I'm not worried in any kind of way, but I, I likely will fulfill more of 19 without... Broadway weeks than I did in 18. Is there anything in in the future, or any goals you have moving forward through the end of this year, or even for 2020? Yeah, you know, a lot of my goals at the moment, I mean, certainly, yes, I have my eye on theater all the time and projects that I've heard about or people saying to me, Leo, you're really great for that, where I'll check in with my agents and I'll talk to them. The thing that's on my horizon right now more than anything is something I haven't talked about today, and that is buying an apartment. It's actually been something I've been so passionate about doing for about four to five years, but was delusional myself in not recognizing you're not putting in the time to do it, Leo. Mm. So as soon as School of Rock closed, I realized, Leo, there's a window. If you don't make use of this window right now, you know you will fill that time with something else. So it will not happen on its own. I've kind of coached myself more aggressively. I also have an amazing friend, Joel Wagner, who did a very gutsy thing where he contacted a broker without my permission and basically set up a phone conversation and and um it was a very gutsy thing but it turned out to be amazing because now i have this great relationship with this broker but the but the as far as goals go if someone says what's your goal i can't wait to have my next home that's bigger has an outdoor space for all my plants i want to have a dinner table for dinner parties in the city in the city i don't want to i as much as i would love the bigger bigger space outside yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i'm too much of a city boy i do too much on a daily basis i think that that commute over time and I'm single so I think being single and living out there might be tough yeah I think so so we like to end all of our podcast episodes with one question okay what was the last great thing that you've seen piece of theater oh the last great thing I saw well Frankie and Johnny I saw I thought there was amazing work that was, spoke to you the vulnerability of love, you know, a lot of that play, Terrence McNally's play is, you know, if they experience love and they lost it, or if they experience pain in their past, how do you, how do you kind of step into your new um, body? How do you step into your next chapter? You know, so they both have a lot of pain. So the conflict of love and pain was kind of what I take from that play the most. And I love that. Well, thank you so much for uh, hanging out in my living room. <laughs> this is so much fun. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Awesome time. Uh, yes. Me too. Me too. And thank you for the Bloody Mary. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> it was so We're going to drink some more of yes. it. Yes. I love and it. your shot glass of olives. And my shot glass. <laughs> I'm not sure if you like olives, I, so I just yeah, gave him a whole shot I, glass. I, don't, I hope they olives. didn't hear me, but I was picking at them. <laughs> uh, well, well, if you don't know, now you know. So now you, you know. Hear it. Yeah. You get olives here. Yeah. <laughs>
Listen back. <laughs> well, bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.